Greetings. I am X51. You are listening to the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast with your hosts, Vince D and David Price. Were I capable of feeling such things, these flashbacks would make me sick. Proceed with caution. <laughs> Okay out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald-headed. Oh, you heard the man. And if you're not familiar with the work of those two gentlemen, then brother, you came to the right place because that was none other than Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the architects of the Marvel Universe. This is the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast, a celebration of all things Marvel. My name is Vince B, and I'm joined with my brother from another mother, the uh, self-titled Man of a Thousand Podcasts, and I hope to God that this is the last one, uh, Mr. David Price. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Vince? I'm doing fine. Bullpen Bulletins was designed as a companion podcast to Sean Whelan and Jim Segulin's excellent Raging Bullets. Now, where Jim and Sean focus on the work of the Distinguished Competition, David and I will be looking primarily at the output from the House of Ideas. And there's a lot of things uh, we could talk about in terms of Marvel. I mean, we're going to focus primarily on the comic books, but uh, we can go off in a million different tangents. We could talk about the animation, the movies, such as they are, uh, which are finally getting very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've 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 been good for a while, and they're and and they keep they keep getting better and better. I mean, even even the uh, what I was hesitant to even consider the uh, the Ghost Rider trailer looks lo- looks really good. I didn't like the look of the bike when I first saw it, but it's growing on me a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the road got a little rocky, I think, with the Punisher movie, but it seems to be. Uh, and I did enjoy that one. Well, you would. Um, <laughs> uh, back to uh, what we can talk about. Yes, we. I mean, I can talk about Jack Kirby for three hours. This is true. This is, but and although before we do get into some heavy detail about the King, uh, why don't um, why don't we just let everybody know who we are? Excellent idea, David. Um, well, I'm from Pennsylvania, birthplace of the great CGS, keystone of the podcast community. Um, I'm an illustrator by trade, father of three kids, two girls and a boy, none of them which are old enough to appreciate comic books yet, but as soon as they are, <laughs> brother, they're going to they're gonna be in for a shock. <laughs> world uh, you bet. Um, David? Oh, uh, I live in uh, Putnam County, New York, um, which is um, real close to Westchester County, which is, of course, where uh, the School for Gifted Youngsters is. The um, I work at a community college in the IT department, and uh, married with no kids, but uh, but but 
quite a few pets, so uh, that that takes. And you know what? I'm I really don't want any kids because I enjoy being the uh, be, being the kid in the house. So um, I, I think I have that uh, that position well well uh, well in hand. Kid at heart. That's right. Now, David and I first met face to face at the recording for the 100th episode of Comic Geek Speak. I mean, we were friendly online in the forums before that, but that was the first time we met. And uh, I guess we hit it off. He didn't punch me or anything, so that's, that's a good... True, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you, uh, you, you obeyed the, uh, the restraining order. That's right. That's right. And uh, from there, we uh, continued to pal around online. You know, I'd, I'd talk to David two, three times a week on Skype, and um, then... We had the uh, opportunity to go to the Wizard World um, Chicago convention, and uh, that is where the idea for this podcast came. So yeah, we'll we'll let you know where you can send any any uh, any hate mail, any bomb threats, uh, flowers and cards and and nice things can can be sent to us. But anything, uh, any, anybody that wants anything to complain about, will. Uh, We'll get you the right address for that. Yeah, send all hate mail to uh, Around Comics. Uh, they'll take care of it. They'll forward it to the appropriate people. That's right. Yeah. So it just seemed like a natural thing for David and I to get together uh, to do this because, I mean, like I said, we've wasted more than enough hours on Skype talking about comic books. So we figured, hey, let's do something with that time and try and produce something of value, which I hope this podcast will be. Yeah, we do want to. Um, now, there's... There's a lot of Marvel comics out there, and um, you know, if uh, if someone's unsure as to uh, you know what what might interest them, if they're uh, if they're not too keen on the um, how many times, or if they if they're not aware of how many times you know Jean Grey died, or uh, or whether or not um, it's a uh, it's a good idea that uh, Bucky's been brought back, we'll uh, you know we'll get you on the right path hopefully so uh I hear uh by the garbage dump um we're gonna get a new podcast kinda like Raging Bullets is for DC and we got one coming at us it's for Marvel Maybe a weekly podcast, maybe twice a week, I'm not sure, but uh, the real nightmare scenario is it's going to be hosted by Vince B. and David. That's right, David, the man of a thousand podcasts. Well, let's just make it a thousand and one. You know, David, the guy that sounds like a, a police detective, a hard cigar-smoking police detective, yeah, that David. And Vince, ooh. Man, I, I can only imagine how uh, this is going to be. I mean, if you read his posts, you walk away feeling like you just shit your pants. So, uh, I hope you're ready. I mean, as a, uh, as a community of comic fans, I, I hope you're, uh, you're prepared. You know? It's going to be like walking in a, uh, a room with a dead body. I'm going to look, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to be there every, every show, I'll be listening, crying, anyway, 
That's my beef. Um, one of uh, Chris Neesman's favorite words in describing the comic industry is cyclical. You know, creativity has a way of ebbing and flowing with the time. And there was a, a time recently when Marvel was not exactly, you know, going gangbusters with the books. But now they seem to be on the upswing. Every uh, title I've been reading the past uh, six to eight months has been excellent. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, there's one title that really sticks out in my mind as something that I'm not overly thrilled with, I, but I might not have had um, high hopes from the get-go. But, uh, but other, than, other than this one particular title, everything that, uh, everything that I'm plunking down my hard-earned money for as far as uh, coming out of Marvel has been, uh, has been really, really, they've all been swinging for the fences each time. Exactly. I'm I'm really enjoying their output now. And uh, speaking of Marvel's output, David, um, what was the first book to hook you into Marvel? The, um, well, I think my favorite, the character I've associated Marvel with is probably the same one that many comic fans are aware of, and that, and that's and that's Spider-Man, and and um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember where I first came across the red and blue clad fellow, but I just, uh, even though it was Spider-Man that I wanted to read about, the first, one of the first, um, the first comic book I remember seeing on the newsstand that I uh, that I just that I just had to have for whatever reason this this this, this cover just struck me was uh, was was years ago Marvel did uh, comic book adaptations of movies they had Tarzan they had Return of the Jedi they had uh, they had a lot of Marvel movie adaptations and one of them was uh, was Blade Runner the Harrison Ford vehicle and this was the second issue of a two part adaptation and there was the Al Williamson art I think on the cover and on the inside and it's funny I'm, I'm like I don't know eight ten years old and, and I'm reading a comic book that's adapted from an R-rated movie and, and, and I look back now and I chuckle but at the time I was just I was soaking up and, and soaking up this world and, and I just I I loved every page uh, but before that as far that's the first comic that I remember saying I gotta have this by the cover alone before that though I um, when I lived in Arizona there was a time when I was I was getting a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man and this was this was right around this was 1981 because a lot of those issues by uh, John Romita Jr. as far as, as the pencils go um, this is was uh, around the time where you saw Hydro Man and uh, Spidey had a couple of battles with the Wizard. Um, this is before the two-part Juggernaut story with you know to stop the unstoppable foe. But the um, this was like right around two ten, two twelve, and for some reason I was getting a subscription to this Marvel comic and and I loved it and. I may not have been aware as far as the companies go, but I, I knew there was something about Marvel, whether it was 
the main character was was based in New York, which is where I grew up. And and after I moved out of got after I left Arizona, and I was in Massachusetts for a year, which is where my grandfather bought me my comic. The uh, after that, I moved back to New York. So it was nice being familiar, being in an area where these characters actually existed. Um, so it's just been. You know, I've I've always had a, a love affair with Marvel. I enjoy comic books as a whole, but for some reason, Marvel got their hooks into me early, and uh, and it really just hasn't let go. Flashy one designate Bruce Rosenberger. Hey guys. Um, really looking forward to listening to this first episode. Been hearing about it for long enough. So, uh, Vince, you know, I'm sorry. You know, you got David to work with, but hey, what can I say? You know, we, we've all got our uh, crosses to bear. You guys talking about Marvel Comics, I think that'll, that'll be a nice, uh, you know, fill for uh, some of the other podcasts that I do listen to. So, and uh, seriously, though, I really like, uh, you know, listening to both you guys talk. So, I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking of the uh, Spider-Man, uh, I was never one to subscribe to comics. I'd always pick them off on the newsstand. And although it wasn't my first Marvel comic, um, the uh, Spidey Super Stories made a big impact on me as a, as a kid because, um, you know, you that was the the routine. You'd go to school, come home, and the electric company would be on. Right, and and you, were I, too old, you were you were too old for Sesame Street by this time. Right, and and back then there was no cable. I mean, you had four right. four channels, and you had to take what you can get. It was either watch, you know, the afternoon afternoon movie, which not something that's going to attract kids, game shows, or public television. And I, I would tune into the electric company, and one day, Spider Man showed up, and I was like, "What in the heck is this?" You know, I I really don't think the powers that be at Marvel knew how much influence that segment was going to have on children because they designed it to look exactly like a comic book. And he never talked. Right. Well, he didn't have to, you know, <laughs> he was Spider-Man. But I remember I would, I would run to the newsstand to, to get my Spidey super stories every month. And, um, I had a nice run of it and then I missed one. Either it didn't wasn't delivered to the newsstand, or you know someone got it before me. But I, I had a gap in that run, and and so I said to my mother, you know what, pony up because this is not happening again. I, you know, when you're a, a comic book collector at a young age and and you miss one, it's traumatic, yes, it is. at least for me. So um, I subscribed to the Spidey Super Stories. That was my one and only subscription to Marvel Comics. That's cool, and and you know. Later on, um, I'm trying to remember what my subscription was to, but I think my father decided to get a subscription for me and my brother, and I don't know why, but my brother was subscribed to Uncanny X-Men, and I ended up loving those issues because this was right when Paul Smith was doing the art, and... 175 where he split the book with John Romita Jr. So it was it was not all of Paul Smith's run but the end of it and then leading into Romita Jr.'s run and um and those were some those were some good stories. I I don't I don't have a subscription to them now but um 
like like you said about missing an issue if if i I'd, I'd want one if uh i'd want a subscription if if i uh if there was a lot of worry about me missing something and then again there are no newsstands anymore oh this is true might as well not be um in a sense we do have subscriptions with uh you know our local comic shops and and through mail order companies that's a, a kind of subscription but it, right. it it's not the same as as uh running home from school and finding that brown paper wrapper in the mailbox and Fold you it know up, oh, up. good god i got another comic it's awesome <laughs> yeah Hello, this is uh, Tom Karras from Around Comics. I'm going to tell you a joke. Uh, a man walks into a bar, and the bartender is a very old Chinese man. He says, Hello, welcome to my bar. What would you like? And the man goes, I'd like a stoli with a twist. And the old bartender goes, All right, there's four little piggies. And that's it. Comedy goals. I don't have anything else. You can stop recording me now. <laughs> Tom Kidders, Straight Edge. And what uh, what was your first comic, Vince? Um, wow. My first uh, Marvel comic? Yeah, I remember it very well. Now, um, I'm going to paint the picture for you here. Okay. My mother comes from a very large family. Uh, she had seven brothers and one sister. And... Uh, her brother John was the perpetual bachelor. Never married. Well, he didn't until he was very, very late in life. And uh, he was also my godfather. So, being a bachelor, the guy had money to spare. He would um, show up at our house every day after work with a little bag of candy for me. So uh, I don't know what made him do it, but um, and I was—I guess I was getting up to reading age or the potential reading age and uh, he thought well let me buy the kid a comic book now the here's where it gets a little sticky so because uh, I was born in 65 and uh, my first comic was Fantastic Four number 48 and that was published in March 1966 so if um, he I don't think he got it off the newsstand for for him to do that you know that's almost impossible. He must have got it at a store that either stockpiled, you know, backdated comics or just had them laying around. But anyway, right. I got a copy of Fantastic Four number 48 by Stan and Jack. Can you imagine the impact a book like Fantastic Four number 48 could have on a young kid? I mean, the coming of Galactus, a pivotal event in the in in the Marvel universe, one of the one of the hallmarks of the Silver Age. Stan and Jack at their prime, you had um, not only the Fantastic Four, but you had the Silver Surfer, the Watcher running around in this you know cosmic toga. You had the Inhumans, um, uh, again Galactus, and I and I think the Skrulls were in there too. I did I I didn't know it at the time, and I couldn't read it at the time, but I just you know thumbed through the pages, and it didn't take long for the power of Jack's work to to soak in. Uh, I, I don't know if it was because I experienced his work first or I was beca- or because I was so young. Jack has become the standard with me. 
He's he's the king, and everybody else is second secondary. There's really nobody in my mind to even come close to what Jack did. And um, I mean, Jack, the man was a master. I don't even think he knew it. Uh, this hyperkinetic, all over the place art. These larger than life characters. Um, and again, I didn't know it at the time, but Jack had this way of composing a panel to draw your eye exactly to where he want you to look. That's true. Yeah. Um, the 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 way he drew explosions and the way he drew the human form and and uh, um, now Jack was not a realist, you know. No, uh, no. I was no. just gonna say that. I mean, he may not he may not be the most realistic illustrator but uh, but but damn he sure was creative right and when when jack drew a rock it 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 wasn't a representation of a rock as it is in reality it was the essence of a rock i mean that said rock and um that that's the thing about jack's um work when when you look at his comic pages you you're not looking at lines and shapes and 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 uh figures you're in jack's mind when you look at that page, and the man was just a creative powerhouse. So I'm 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 five years old, and I'm I'm thumbing through this magazine, and I don't know. It was like a switch was flicked, and from then on, I've been a comic book fan since that day. That's and I, great. And I have my uncle John to thank for that. Uncle John, if you're listening, <laughs> you owe me a a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when Jack defected to the Distinguished Competition, uh, I followed him, but uh, it, it, it's not mentioned very often, but those books that he created for them were not the typical books that that company put out. I mean, they looked nothing like their books. They didn't read like their books. They were, in, in essence, Marvel books published at a different company. And, uh, you know, I followed him when he came back, Captain America, 2001, uh, the Eternals, which is having a resurgence today. It's just that Jack is the man in my mind. I love that man. And it, it, it's a, because of Jack, I wanted to uh, develop my skills and eventually go into a career in art, which I did. So it, yeah. it, it's all because of Jack. And that 12 cents that my uncle spent on that, there you go. It's a, that's, you, that's quite a return on an investment. You bet, brother. It's fun. I mean, I, I remember talking to Sean, you know, way back and, and being like, I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a Marvel one yet. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I was going to say, same thing with your show. There it is, finally. You know, we got the DC thing. Sean's doing it. He's got great success. Now, great. Now you, people can go listen to a Marvel. I think it's perfect. Brian, did, we didn't we didn't know where this was going to go at all. We just thought it was going to be what it was. You know, just him and I talking, bringing on the other guys as guests, and uh, uh, and we always try to go back to that. You know, we always try to go make sure we go back to those episodes where we just talk because it's that's what's, what's interesting about it. And you know, I think I think it was only like. Chris from Collected Comics Library, Augie DeBleek, um, Comicology, of course, Comic Comic News Insider, maybe. I mean, there weren't many, mm-hmm. and, and and we just got lucky that we 
we were like, you know, let's not. We had nobody to go off of, I guess. We just did it, you know, and it just became what it was. Um, which is why I really like, I really like helping out with the new podcast because I want them to find their voice. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's finding your voice. And I think the ones that go wrong or the ones that pod fade don't ever find their voice. They try too much to do too much or be too similar or to be an alternative to other things, right. and, and, but without really being unique. And I, that's, that's the danger. Mr. Phil is, is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that obscure kind of stuff. I mean, and, and not really all obscure, but you know what I mean? Like, he's just amazing. And... Uh, I just, I love the dynamic they have. I mean, whenever, I, I use them as a reference when it comes to what good chemistry is, mm-hmm. because they have it. Yeah, they really do. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. The, I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't have an uncle that, uh, that bought me a, a comic. I did have an aunt who, her, uh, her former, her, Law partner, his uh, his mother used to frequent flea markets on the weekends, and whenever I would see my aunt from time to time, she would have a shopping bag full of comics, and there were Marvel in there, and there were some from uh, from the guys down the street, and and uh, and of course some some from the uh, Riverdale gang, and uh, and and the like, but the. Uh, the, 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 there were some Marvel items in there, and, and and good things like you know the Hulk and Captain America, and there was some Iron Man, and and uh, I used to love going uh, going to visit my aunt. I, I knew I was going to come home with something to read. Now, people may not know this about me, but you know I have a little bit of a mouth. I can get sarcastic at times and and kind of nasty. And as a kid, whenever I would act up, my mother never you know, took away the television or uh, took away my my playground, you know, time, she would take my comic books. She would would take them, put them in a bag, put them in the bottom of her closet, and I couldn't touch them. And that would talk about an effective means of punishment. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, it didn't last long. I I straightened up pretty quick. (laughs) Oh, wow. And and the thing that bothered me the most about him is because she had to pick him up to put him in the bag, and she was, you know, bending him and wedging him in there. And it's like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> that was finicky even back then. Oh damn. Yeah. But it's it's crazy. I I measure the. Uh, I remember the times in my life based on the comic books that came out during that time. Like okay. uh, growing up, I can remember the. Um, the Marvel magazines, the black and white Marvel magazines, like uh, you know, Monsters Unleashed and and uh, Dracula Lives, uh, Tales of the Zombie, and I, I can remember what I was doing, where I was, you know, what period in the in in the time of year it was when I was reading these magazines. It, it's odd. Marvel has has had a huge impact on me, and um, if I had to pick uh, my favorite. Marvel era, it would probably be the Bronze Age, and that's probably because those are my formative years. They they always say the Golden Age of comic books different is different for for every person based on where they were, you know, at twelve years old. That's your Golden Age, and I guess they're right because for me it's the Bronze Age and uh, the books like um, 
you know, Howard the Duck and uh, Werewolf by Night and Ghost Rider and Man-Thing. We can't forget about the Man-Thing. There will never be an episode of Bullpen Bulletins in which the Man-Thing does not get mentioned. So, <laughs> you know, people, get ready for it. Because if, if I don't mention the Man-Thing, I will... I'll, I'll throw a quarter in the jar. <laughs> and uh, now if you look back on those uh, magazines, there's one unifying uh, thing, and that's Mike Pluke, Ghost Rider, Werewolf by Night. And the uh, the pinnacle of Mike Pluke to me is the black and white Planet of the Apes magazine. Uh, that Whenever that magazine was published, it was like my birthday you know, uh, I don't remember if it was a monthly or bi-monthly. I think it was a monthly. But uh, that was the one thing I would pick before everything. Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, you know, uh, Avengers. That's, nah, leave them. Planet of the Apes came out today. I would take that magazine and devour it because, primarily because of Mike Plug and I think it was Doug Munch did that Terror on the Planet of the Apes series. That ran, I think, for must have been close to thirteen or fourteen issues. But um, talk about gorgeous artwork! Um, there's nobody who can draw apes like Mike Pluke. And uh, I mean, the man, like Kirby, the man had a huge impact on on uh, me. Uh, he he did Man Thing. He did the uh, early issues of Werewolf by Night. Did the early issues of Ghost Rider. I mean, the guy was on the ground floor of a lot of milestone Marvel books. Now, they may have been on the fringe of the Marvel Universe, and I'm sure they didn't sell as well as, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. But to me, those that was Marvel, the fringe books. Vince B., David Price, yet another podcast. As if the world does not have enough podcasts to choke a horse. So you're doing one about Marvel. Well, I hope it's a little less ham-fisted than the first issue of Civil War. That's all I can say. Other than that, Kirby? Oh, Kirby, I just don't get you. Foreshorten arm my ass. Well... Good luck, guys. Knock my socks off with this thing. I'll talk to you later. Okay. See, and I, I've always... I've, um... The, the books from Marvel, when I was growing up, that I always had to get make sure I read weren't the... weren't the most popular ones. Like, if I had, if I had my opportunity... If I had a Spider-Man book that I always enjoyed reading... It was Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, and this was around the Cloak and Dagger era. This was um, uh, against Silvermane. This was um, going up against. Uh, there was an issue that I remember with uh, J. Jonah Jameson. It was pretty much the start of the story, and he was uh, he was going to get a story, and every time he came across some trouble, he got through it. But it was always because Spider-Man was making sure that uh, that he took care of it before it took care of Jonah um, the, I, I, I used to love reading Power Man and Iron Fist early on with uh, with art by Ernie Chan who I remembered from the Conan comic and then uh, and then later Mark Bright took over the art I used to enjoy reading uh, Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu um, I had uh, 
I, I used to love reading a Marvel team-up because I always got someone other than Spider-Man in the comic book with them, so I was getting more bang for my buck. Um, I just... Uh, and, and one... Oh, well, the Micronauts. I used to love reading the Micronauts. Oh, I love the Micronauts. Oh, especially with the... They went from Michael... It, they didn't have a bad time, it seemed. They went from Michael Golden on art to Pat Broderick. Um, and then and later on, you finally got uh, Jackson Geis and then uh, and and Kelly Jones. But loved early, um, early Micronauts. I... Um, was never really huge into ROM, but I had a couple issues of of, uh, of that. There was uh, the New Mutants. I used to really, really like uh, the New Mutants during the first few years. There was um, but one magazine, one comic I used to love reading, but probably because it was so cheap and because uh, cheap is in price, and just because it really had a lot of information was, and these days a comic like it wouldn't need to exist but do you remember Marvel Age? Do I remember it? I have almost a complete run. <laughs> That's great. The, the, those suckers are in Mylar, baby. I oh, lo- damn. Yeah, I loved Marvel Age. Fred a- Fred Hembeck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, that was the thing. We didn't have the internet back then. That's right. And we were probably better off but um, just getting a glimpse at what was coming out in the in the in the following months, it was where I first remember reading about uh, this this event called Secret Wars. Ah, the wonderful you know, I mean, Secret I, Wars. I mean, that was that was a, was a great series, and then and then and we can. Those were some of the first action figures that I ever bought were related to that um, to that miniseries. But the get. Uh, yeah, st- before we jump around on, on, on onto the toys, and I, I, I wanted to get back to uh, to my time in Arizona. One one Hanukkah, my uh, my aunt and uncle sent my brother and I our uh, our Hanukkah presents, and there's a big box with a bunch of gifts, and all the gifts were marked. You know, you'll open this on the second night, you'll open this on the third night. My brother and I didn't bother to wait. We opened everything up all at once, and I got. I scored these hideous looking but they were so cool to me with the with the suction cup at the end Spider-Man web shooters. Oh, I had that. I oh. I love that toy. <laughs> that was so cool. I just, you know, flipped oh, I just I I love I I don't know how long it took before the string finally broke, but it, it just, well, no, it didn't have a string. It it shot the suction cups out, didn't it? No, it did have a string. Yeah, it did have a string. Now, did you have Yeah, cuz that was the web. Did you have two of them? Yes. Oh, see, I only had one. Oh. I was deprived. I had one damn web shooter. And uh, I remember my grandmother railing on me one day because, you know, you had to lick the suction cup <laughs> to, to get the thing to stick. So, And I, I don't know why I did it. I would just keep shooting at the bathroom mirror, you know? So, so you'd have all these little milky circles as after a while they'd be starting to drip down the mirror. <laughs> yeah, she, she was not happy. Ah, some great toys. Those were the days. Fleshy one designate Christopher Lee Smiley. I'm a hack. I'm a hack, man. None of it's true. None of it's true. I'm just, I'm just a guy who spends way too much fucking money on comic books and is hanging a shelf right now. 
How did I end up with a copy of the movie Heartbreakers starring uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver and Gene Hackman? How does that happen? I mean, the first thing that you did that is so important is picking something unique and no one else is is doing what you guys are going to be doing and that is the number one most important thing and then after that if you have character and uh, what uh, Harvey Keitel say in uh, Pulp Fiction uh, being a character does not necessarily mean that one has character and you and David have character I mean it's not something you know it's like it's like how to be cool and, and I'm by far you know not a cool person but you can't you can't manufacture cool, and you and you and David are going to have that between you guys. There's just there's going to be a nice chemistry. I mean, there already is. And, and, and did you have any uh, amigos? I had, I I did, and then I guess they somehow got to my grandmother's house because whenever there was a any um, a holiday or a family gathering, they were. Uh, I played with them at my grandmother's, and I, I had I had Iron Man, I had Spidey, I had Green Goblin, and I'm trying to think. Did they make a Shocker? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. But don't. Unless I'm just really picturing that Iron Man outfit kind of resemble. I mean, I just, but yeah, I didn't have a lot, and I. Th- I think we might have had Captain America as well. Mm. I, I had uh, a nice assortment of Migos, and um, you know, naturally, Spider-Man was the first one I had. Right. I had the Green Goblin, you know, Captain America, and I, I can remember um, my mother would go to Kmart with my father on the weekends, and I'd stay at my grandmother's house, and they came home, and my mother said, "Oh, I got you another one of those little superhero dolls." I said, "Oh, excellent! Oh, give me it!" And it was Tarzan, you know. <laughs> And I've I've since <laughs> I've since learned to appreciate Tarzan, and I, I love Burroughs' work. But you know, I didn't want this guy in a dive. You know, Tarzan. What is this? Yeah. How's he gonna fight Spider-Man? <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's great. I remember this will curl your toes. Uh, about ten years ago, maybe more. There was a comic book convention at a local hotel. Not a big deal, you know. I, I don't really think there were any guests there. It was just uh, an excuse for dealers to go in and sell comics. And this man walks in with a uh, with a big grocery bag full of 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 stuff. And you know, I I I, I got curious, so I I kind of you know moved over in his direction, and I saw what was in the bag. And it was loaded with Mego figures and um, Aurora models. Wow. And I, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? Well, um, we were this. This was when we were all waiting to get in. You couldn't get in then. It was like the the setup pre stage where the dealers are all getting their things together. And this guy just walks right in, and I uh, there was a commotion coming from the other the inside. Deal. I, I heard people shouting and people were falling over each other. It sounded like anyway. And uh, do you know who that man was? Who? Cockrum. 
No. Yes. I guess he did some drawing. Uh, he did some illustration work for the back of the Mego packages, and he did some of the paintings for the Aurora models. And in, in compensation uh, for, you know, whatever they didn't provide him monetarily, they would give him samples. And he, I guess he had these things in the bottom of a closet. And, you know, I guess Cockrum came on hard times in certain, during a certain period that uh, he had to sell these things. And he was selling them for, for like 10, 20 bucks. And at the time, you know, Thor and the Green Goblin were going for like a couple hundred bucks. Wow. So the dealers were freaking out. And then once we got in there, everybody had Migos, all the dealers. And they all had little little post-it notes on them, you know, like 200, 225. And they, they probably got them for like 20 bucks. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it was Cockrum. Fleshy one designate Brian Bowles. All right, well, cool. Uh, congrats on your new show. Looking forward to it. Uh, this is Brian from Cookful, the long box of love dude over at Around Comics. Uh, that's my one claim to fame. But uh, looking forward to it. one more podcast to listen to. The only... Well, I don't want to say only. One one brush for greatness was uh, I I spoke on the telephone with Mark Texiera, who at the time was this was this was way after uh, Cy Force, and this this might have been around the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider era when that series was starting up, but um, I I had I got to talk on the phone with him because at the time he lived in Bronxville, New York, and he would take the train in from from uh, from 616. He'd take the train and from New York City, take it to Tuckahoe. My grand, my father worked at a... Uh, worked part-time a couple times, a couple days a week at a, uh, at a liquor store that was run by a, an old family friend. And Tex would... Uh, Occasionally run in, grab a bottle of, of wine or what have you, and uh, and head home. And I guess he had his portfolio with him one night, and he must put it on the counter. Somehow, I wasn't with my father that night. I usually I, I used to go with him um, most nights he worked. And I get a phone call. My father says, "Hold on a second. Someone wants to talk to you." And the guy introduces himself, and my jaw drops. And I think I think I am I might have embarrassed him a little bit because I did mention some of his work that he did for uh for the guys down the street from marvel and um and it wasn't naturally his best work it was one of his first works in in the industry and and people tend to not really want to dwell on those first career choices too much and uh what book was that that he would that he did was uh power lords which was a three-issue mini based on a toy line where the where the main character looked human but then like he would flip around at the waist and he'd be blue and orange i have a few of those oh, i'm sorry mm-hmm. but uh oh, the toys that is not the yeah, comics yeah, yeah no i don't blame <laughs> you about the comics the um so we, we we chat for a little bit and then he he told me that he's gonna leave something for me next time he's around and he did he left me some xerox pages from a story that had Daredevil and Kingpin in it, and at the time it wasn't from any Daredevil that I had read or had seen, and this was before I don't know how early, how long before, but this was 
it turns out that this these pages were from the Frank Miller written John Romita Jr. drawn and I think Al Williamson ink Daredevil Man Without Fear. So I'm I'm looking at like Xerox pencil pages from John Romita Jr. of 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 a comic that you know at the time I was like I, because I told him I wanted to be an inker so I, he he left the the copies for me to to practice on and um I I believe I did and because it it was Romita and it was a Daredevil comic a lot of blacks were involved so I really didn't ink too much because I didn't want to waste all my ink but uh, that was the first time that the him dropping off the pages I didn't speak to him then my father just brought him home but um, when, when I finally did get to meet him face to face it was at a um, a memorial service for the husband of the comic shop I used to go to the husband died, and the wife decided to have um, have some of his more loyal customers spend a couple hours after the store closed and commiserate. and uh, And she had some some professionals there. One of which was Mark, and and one of uh, Ray Lago, a painter, who did the cover, the variant cover to Avengers number. I think it might have been number two during the Heroes Return era. So, like, was that volume three? And me and two other two other patrons went around the corner to Outback Steakhouse and we got a booth and I sat across from Mark and Ray while we were having dinner. And that was a good night. Damn, I'm awesome. Yeah, there's no topping. You know, you, you get what you get when you get me online. You know, this is me. Awesome. Just ebbing, flowing, being my thing. Goddamn, I'm awesome. See, that's how true artists know that they're touching people, is by how sad they make them. I mean, man, that guy and his uh, Grendel fixations. You know, I, I, read the, I read the book. There's a girl in a mask. Know, wheeling large pointy things at men. I, I don't know what he's trying to, you know, tell us with his subconscious pics of uh, characters, but it's pretty, it's pretty alarming, and I actually find it pretty, uh, pretty intriguing. Uh, I'm gonna buy them all now. I think I'm gonna have to start buying these other books I've never heard of, like this man thing thing that you keep talking about. My man. I do have actually in the mail. I just got my Howard the Duck um, Essentials book. Hey David, um, why don't we play a little game here? A little word association game. So um, I guess you can lube up those lobes and uh, there's that alliteration thing again. <laughs> yeah, thank you Stan. That, that's, <laughs> that stuff sticks like herpes. I mean I, <laughs> I, I, I read those bull, bullpen bulletin columns that uh, were named after and Stan Soapbox and uh, he he every sentence had a nice little nice little bit of alliteration in it and it just stuck with me I can't get rid of it oh, so <laughs> yeah um, well, uh, back to the topic at hand uh, a little word association game uh, 15 comic creators and uh, I want you to say the very first thing that pops into your mind now it doesn't have to be a book they worked on it doesn't have to be a character it could be a feeling or an emotion you got from these works, or maybe it's just uh, a, an opinion you have of the person, you know, as an individual. 
So well, you're gonna get me in trouble, aren't you? Well, that's that's the idea, you know. I th I thrive on controversy. Apparently. So here we go. Number one, right out of the gate. Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, beautiful. This is the part where you're supposed to say the word that pops into your head. You didn't hear me? No. Oh shit! No, I said I said beautiful. Oh, that's the word. There you go. That that fits, and it per it describes his artwork perfectly. See, I yeah, think so. Yeah, I'm so used to you saying beautiful, you know, as a as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a as a sentence capper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're beautiful. Yeah. So yes, he his work is definitely beautiful. And uh, uh, how about if I add one on top of yours, and you add one on top of mine? I would okay. say I, I would say elegant. Which is pretty much the same thing as beautiful. So, no, you're right. There that, you go. Yeah, not a wasted line. No, um, and well, early on, he. Well, yeah, yeah, because yeah, everybody, everybody does that. You know, kind of a thin line deal. But you know, I'm thinking of uh, is it the, uh, the 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 Storm Forge issue of Uncanny X Men, or even the uh, the Weapon X from. Uh, from Marvel Comics presents, and there wasn't, there weren't really any thin lines, but everything was nice and fluid. I'll say fluid, fluid. Got to watch out for that fluid. That's um, right. He, and and started off as a Jack Kirby clone a little bit. Those those early X Men issues that he worked on, not right. not his best work, but everybody needs a chance to grow. But I will say, once he found his style, it he has only improved with time. Right. The uh, work he did, uh, the self-published work, he did the Freebooters and the um, the other work, the oversized comics that he published with Dark Horse. Th those things are, are amazing. Uh, delicate watercolor washes uh, under a Barry Windsor Smith line. I mean, it, wow. doesn't, it doesn't get too much better than that. Okay. And I think the, the, one of the last times I think I saw anything by him that I remember buying was... And because it all comes back to Marvel, when uh, when he was doing Rune for Malibu, right? That um, crossover they did with Rune and uh, Adam Warlock. See, I didn't read that. I have to find that. Yeah, um, which wasn't Barry Windsor Smith, right? It was Rune and the Silver Surfer. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, right. Excellent work. The man's a the man's a god. All right. Here's another one. Wally Wood. Ooh. Uh, man, I can't... The that pops in, Daredevil is what pops in my head. I, I, I wish I could have a word to, to describe what I feel or how I could describe his art, but no, I, I hear Wally Wood and I just I associate Daredevil with it. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind when uh, I think Wally Wood is boobies. And that that's, that that pretty much goes for everything boobies. But Wally Wood's women are astounding. The uh, the, the the curves and and just the way he rendered uh, the female form, uh, unbelievable. And uh, if I had to pick another word, I would say machinery. Oh really? Yeah, he had such a knack for drawing the uh, you know background machinery that actually looked like it did something instead of just you know uh, a panel with buttons and a and a uh, lines on it. Wally Wood's machinery was alive. It was oh, that's great. Yeah, especially in the old EC stuff. And on to number three. 
Wait, on the old what? EC Books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, thought, I thought you mentioned another company there. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> one, one demerit for me. That, that's okay. That's, that's classic stuff. Um, here's a good one. John Buscema. Oh, oh, just, uh, oh, man, amazing. I mean, he, the, that, that's, that's the word, uh, amazing. I mean, from reading his, his, uh, his Conan or his, his Avengers, I had such a run that he did from the Avengers and, and at times because the inker was so heavy-handed that you could tell Tom Palmer was inking John Buscema, but you still, Buscema still shone through, and I just, his, his, his work, I was, I was in awe with his work, he just, he was, the, the characters, the figures he drew were amazing, everything, I mean, the, exaggerated slightly in the Marvel way, but, you know, I didn't find anything out of whack or something that you know that I really didn't I, I didn't not believe that that a scene could happen in a panel if if he drew it it just it worked he actually if if he said his name I would probably just go ahead and say Marvel because I can't I don't know of him working illustrating for any other company whether he did or not I just John Bashima John Bashima is Marvel you are slick my friend that was nice um yeah and uh, with uh john the thing that immediately pops into my mind is conan i can't separate the two okay uh, you, you know the power and the 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 this the savagery that he uh injected into that book was uh incredible and the only the only other person that i cuz i don't even associate Windsor smith with with conan the only other artist that i would associate conan with is ernie chan that's interesting although he and did he did draw the book for a while he's not a name you would hear no uh, and that's and that's a damn shame whether it's conan or king conan or, or what was later conan was it conan the king first and then king conan King Conan, I believe, came first, and Conan the King, I think, was the magazine, wasn't it? Well, it might have been originally, but I know that, like, when they did King Conan, I think, like, around issue 20 or 21 or something, they just, they, they switched the name to Conan the King, or it, vice versa, but, right. um, yes. I remember the cover, it said the King is dead, and I believe Khan was, it was, his son's name was Khan? Yeah. I'm C-O-N-N or something like that? And, um... I believe he was searching for whoever did bad to his daddy, but the, <laughs> um, but no, er, Ernie Chan. I, I liked his Conan work, but I, I believe he did. He did a lot of work though for the magazine. Yes, he did a lot okay. of work. Did a lot of work. Period. He was. He yeah. was. He was also working for the guys down the street, and all, all the Filipino artists of that period were uh, powerhouses. I mean, um, I I used to love his. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. He did a couple issues. I don't know if he only did a couple, but I had a couple of issues, consecutive issues that, that he drew. I, I loved his Iron Fist, man. He he drew a kick-ass Daniel Rand and, and Misty Knight. Yes. Now, I, I, I won't get into too many of the uh, artists on the, that were part of the Filipino invasion because there's one of them that's on my list. I don't want to, sh- you know, shoot my wad before. Well, that, yeah. yeah. But um, Alex Nino. 
or Nino. Oh. Yeah. He, if I had to pick, um, you know, a top ten artist list, Alex Nino would be on there. He, and what are some of your favorites that he did? Oh, good God. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and it's not too many Marvel books, but um, he did a lot of work for Warren. Jim Warren's uh, publications like uh, right. 1984, and 1994. That's where I associate his name for. Okay. Yeah, but the the guy has one of those styles that uh, instantly recognizable as you know coming from his hand. It's it, his work just screams Alex Nino because he has a way of you know uh, just everything. He he puts his personal stamp on everything, whether it's a tree or a you know a, a monster or a rock. You know he did it. And uh, I think the guy's a fantastic talent, and uh, he's he's still working. By the way, he has a, a self-published uh, book coming out currently called um, "God the Dyslexic Dog." Oh my God, is that? Yes, I saw that in an ad in uh, CBG. Yeah, uh, I think it's finished in there. The trade hasn't come out yet, but it's it's uh, pending. So yeah, uh, a- Alex Nino fans, pick that up. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah, it's it's great, great work. Um, okay, let's see what else is on this list here. Um, I'll throw you a curveball. Ed McGinnis. Oh, man. I'm about to piss off so many people. Uh, I'm just trying to choose choose the words carefully. I can't I don't wanna I don't wanna shoot from the hip here. The uh chunky or blocky. Take your pick. Okay, I would I would say chunky. Yeah, when I think Ed McGinnis, I think bloated. And, I'd go with that. Yeah, and not in a bad way. I mean, the man does have a very attractive style to me. It's a it's a tad bit too clean in some spots. Oh no! Oh, oh over um, overdeveloped leg muscles. Yeah, upper thighs. Yes, that's, that's yes. what I associate with Ed McGinnis. Right. Um, I actually preferred his work on Deadpool to his uh, his recent stuff. Which, right, and, that, and that's going back, what, four or five years? Oh, yeah, a little more than that. Um, and not to say that the man can't uh, illustrate because he is, he's a fantastic talent, but um, it's, it's almost to the point where it's shiny now. It's a little too slick. Okay. For me, I, I like uh, I like to get dirt under my fingernails and get a little gritty. Right. You know, uh, but uh, there's no uh, no mistaking his uh, ability. So, uh, yeah, you're not a negative person, are you? <laughs> well, I just I uh, you know I don't there's 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 good in everything. Right. Okay. How uh, we let's proceed to, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna set him up, and I'm hoping you're gonna knock him down for me. Um, Jim Mooney. Oh, um, competent. The yeah, I have. Um, I have. Uh, I've read some old Peter Parkers, and um, and he was, he was, he, he was mostly, I think, the penciler on some of those, and it, you could tell it wasn't. Marvel's flagship book. It, it, you know, there was just like, listen, okay, Jim can probably get this book out real quick. We need it done, so just give it over to the Mooney. Ed, he was, he's, he's, he's not what, who I consider um, superstar, but uh, but he he got the job done. So I mean, I, I I've read books that he did, but um, 
I can't exactly say that he's the uh, he's the consummate fill in the character's name artist for anybody. Right. I'd I'd have to say utilitarian myself. I mean, you're okay. right. He, yeah. he he did the job, but um, see, I, I, I loaned you my thesaurus. I got no words here. That's okay. I'll fill in the blanks for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, there, there was a uh, a couple of issues of. Ghost Rider, he uh, inked over mm-hmm. Mike Plug's pencils that I pretty much considered blasphemous because, um, you know, there was really no um, way that you can identify that Plug touched those pages because okay. he, he just obliterated that style. And if if you're an inker and you can squelch one of the most recognizable styles, then uh, I, I, I think you're a little too heavy-handed. But Yeah. Well, see, that's that's how I feel about Palmer, because whether if, if he was if he was inking over Buscema, John Buscema, if he was inking over um, you know, Neil Adams, if he was inking over anybody, I could always tell that Tom Palmer touched this page. And that's not always a good thing. Right. So I can I I I could still see the original artist in the pages, whereas like you said with Mooney over Plug, it was almost very it was, it was very hard to do that. It just but I I can sense where you're going with that just on my feelings right. towards an anchor or two. So I, I can I I can understand your frustration. Right. Dorkiest conversation ever. <laughs> yeah, we got to get Dustin in here. Yeah, good old Dustin. That's right. Okay. Jim Shooter. See, I, I damn, I had a word too and I I um and there ain't a damn thing negative. I uh Well, you can have 3 or 4. Run with it. A G um man knew his business. I I love him for the fact that he said Every comic is someone's first comic. He's the reason why every issue of X-Men, Chris Claremont made sure that you knew that Storm was a was a, a weather goddess and, and, and a queen from Africa and, or pretty much royalty. You knew that Wolverine was the best he is at what he does. You knew that Cyclops needed the ruby quartz lenses and, you know, and Colossus is a Russian-born lad who can turn to steel. I mean, every... or Every Marvel comic book you had, they had to spend a panel or two on who this character was and how they came to be under Shooter's reign. And whether it's New Universe or Secret Wars or you know, just what ha- I I see no wrong from the man. I'd have to agree with you. I would say either underappreciated or a variation of that underrated. Um, See, I wouldn't say underrated because I would say underappreciated, but I wouldn't say underrated only because I believe his name did a lot for Valiant and later for Defiant, and he his his Legion of Superhero stories for those other guys did uh, they you know people remember those stories people still remember the mark he left on on Marvel, so I, I definitely wouldn't say um, underrated. Right. Yeah, as the uh, the captain of the good ship Marvel, uh, he knew where he was taking that uh, that uh, vessel to continue the, the uh, ham-fisted analogy. But um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he plotted that course and he went for it, and uh, I think he did great work 
for Marvel, and he was very good to the, for the company. And it's a shame right. that things, you know, had to end the way they did. But I think, on the bright side, you never would have had the Valiant books, which, they, uh, you know, they speak for themselves. That's this, just, they were phenomenal true. series. Um, even towards the end, I enjoyed them a, a lot. Um, easy one. Jim Steranko. Little guy. Uh, he, 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 every picture I see of him, the man is short and he has nice hair. But as, as far as art goes, um, you know what? I still have that Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. trade that I picked up in Chicago that I still have to get to. So I'm going to have to um, take a pass on Steranko for a later date. All I know is that the man had a style that can't be beat. Right. I think design when I think of Jim Steranko. Um, may not have been the best draftsman in the world, and I'm not slighting his talents. He was an excellent illustrator, but I think he was stronger in terms of his design sense than he, yeah. you know, I mean... The Some man, of those covers were just see that, amazing. Yeah, that, that's what you remember, those covers. Yeah, those, yeah. The, uh, you know, one-ups. But I have no idea what the story was about on the inside. I don't know if it was Fury versus Hydra or, you know, versus... The, the IRS, but those covers were just those covers were real nice. Yeah. Here's a, a fairly recent name, Jim Chung. Nice, uh, real clean style. No, uh, no up and coming. He's or young gun, according to Marvel. He. Um, I I didn't read anything from the Florida-based CrossGen, but uh, I've I've become aware of his style, of his art, and the first Young Avengers trade, and I was wholly impressed. Mm-hmm. I was I was just that he is a damn. He needs to be on a book, like just that. He's he's uh, doing the art for one of the new Avengers solo issues related to Civil War, isn't he? Yes, yes. And he just... Do we need to see more of him? Oh, definitely. I would say uh, Superstar. That's what pops into my mind because this kid is... If there's any justice in the world, this kid's going to explode. So we'll take take my up and coming and just attach your Superstar to the end of it. Okay. I I think if he gets the right exposure and the right title... um, I think he's going to go down when all is said and done. He's going to go down as one of the greats because um, initially when I heard the concept of Young Avengers, uh, you know, it sounded a little bit goofy to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't have too much interest in the title. But uh, after I got a look at a few of those pages, oh, good Lord. Uh, It's like uh, Kramer. You you cannot look away. (laughs) Just, 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 Just beautiful stuff. It really is. Okay. Um, Bill Sienkiewicz. Style. Style. Just, man, the man had a style that couldn't, couldn't be beat, can't be beat. I, um, I remember him being very Neil Adams influenced on Moon Knight, and I really enjoyed his New Mutants run with Demon Bear, and, and, uh, and I do have I do have one of the issues of the Electra Assassin miniseries, and I really enjoyed the art in that. Um, but I have not picked up anything by him in in the later years. But uh, no, I just I I can't uh, 
I love his art. I can't turn away from it. Right. I would say visionary. Because um, as influential on me as Kirby was, I would have to say Bill is pretty much up there. I mean, he's he's my Aldous Huxley. He he uh, with the Demon Bear story, he uh, showed me that there are other ways to see this medium. You can you know you don't have to do it by the numbers and you know the nine panel grid and and you can spread your your art across two pages. You can extend through the panels. You can basically slap anything, uh, any kind of emotion on the page and make it work. And uh, the way Bill did it is, um, it was a, a, a revelation to me at the time. And uh, I think he's another one of those talents that starts off really strong and finds the niche and just goes gangbusters. And, you know, there's no stopping. And he's another one. He doesn't do enough, in my opinion. I think we got to get Bill on uh, on a lot more books. Oh, yes. Inked by um, Klaus Janssen, if possible. Oh, God, man. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, it depends on the story. It really does because if if Bill is on a is doing a book that is produced on really slick paper, I don't want Janssen's inks on that. Okay. Janssen Janssen works not in all places. He he um, he was good on. He, he 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 was good on the Enemy of the State storyline in Wolverine over Ramita Jr. And even though there might have been a couple of pages where he was a little heavy on good old uh, JR, there was uh it, it still worked because Wolverine is a badass. He was gritty in that story. Um but recently they also had Jansen Inc. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Right. And that is not exactly a match made in heaven. I was a little underwhelmed myself, yeah. So I don't know I mean, it could work. I would I I wouldn't mind seeing Jansen Ansenkevich, but it would really depend on the story because I don't Bill is one of those people where I don't think his work would benefit from an anchor. Right. Okay, let me let me clarify a little bit. On a uh, creator-owned project, I would like to see Bill work alone. Like Electra Assassin, you know, where he just grabs that bull by the horns and takes it wherever he wants to go. Okay. Um if it were if he was working on a uh strictly mainstream book like, you know, oh. like like the work he did on um Ultimate Team Up, that Daredevil Punisher Spider-Man little, uh, I don't forget how many parts it was, but Sienkiewicz did that. I think Jansen inked him on that. For something like that, yeah, I would like to see Jansen with him. But you're right. It does depend on the format and the uh, the, the type of uh, characters he's working with. So, yeah. There's a little, we got a little hug out of that. So that, that yeah, that's good. Okay. This one may not trigger anything. Uh, Len Kaminsky. He is a... I want to say he's a colorist, isn't he? Negative. Letterer? Negative. Oh, crap. Len Kaminsky's a writer. Get out of here. You betcha, buddy. What have I read by him? Ghost Rider 2099. One of the single best books ever to come out of Marvel. Okay, so it is a recent name. I didn't think he was from old school Marvel. Oh, no, he's pretty old school. Yeah. 
I, I don't know exactly when he started, but he's not he's not new to the business. Um, I do believe he worked for. Um, oh, see, it's it, it's very hard to get old because those little memories that you have in your head they have a way of evaporating. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I got some time still. Malibu. Was it Sludge? Oh, um, yes. Okay, that, that company. that's why. Right. I think Len wrote um, Nightman, was it? For Malibu, that one uh, character. Well, then he, maybe, maybe it was in a later run, because early Steve, on, it was, because uh, Derek Robertson drew it initially, and then Kyle Hotz, or Hotz, and... You know what? I, I don't recall the writer. Malibu, right. I was mostly. I was. It, it's funny. They they wanted Malibu to be like this big writer's paradise, but I remember Malibu mostly for the artists working on the books. Right. See, uh, I know Steve Gerber wrote Sludge. Yes. Ma- maybe. Um, I, maybe I, he wrote Prime later on. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, but um, Len Kaminsky made a huge impact on me with uh, Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine, and um, not only did the series start off with the awesome Chris Bacallo or Bacallo. That's right. But I think it's one of the very first appearances of Ashley Wood. No kidding. Yeah, Ashley Wood did some art for that book. And uh, it, I, at the time, I don't think it sold exceptionally well, but it's, right. it's one of those titles, if you read it, uh, you'll be aghast. I mean, it's just that good. It, it's I re- I do remember the first issue, and I probably remember it because of uh, Bacalo. There we go. We'll, we'll give a third impression out there. Um, Tomato. <laughs> and uh, I remember the, I, I remember him being on the art originally, just like Ron Lim was like the original artist for X Men twenty ninety nine. But Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine was not was was one of the couple twenty ninety nine books that I didn't go out of my way to follow. Right. But you're right. No, not it. Not, not it. It is coming back to me, though. His his name. Right. And I'm pretty sure that if if you were so inclined, you can find those Ghost Riders 2099s in 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 uh, cheapy bins. It's not a tough series to find, but it's well worth the effort. I'm, Ve- I'm already making my list for next year, Chicago. There you go. And here's another one that may uh, not exactly uh, puff your sails, but uh, Herb Trimpey. G.I. Joe. Yep. Now, see, there's the difference between you and I. You betcha. And I think it's got to, a little bit to do with our age. Yeah, age because age. When, to me, one of the premier Hulk artists is Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. I, I should clarify. Uh, I wouldn't say Hulk, but that is what I'm thinking of, but I would say Spit. Because whenever I think of Herb Trimpey's work, I think of the way he used to draw the Hulk screaming and that, that spit wad would be hanging in his mouth. You remember and that's that? What I, and that's what I see when I, when I think of Sal. That, when that, I, that, 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 that little spit string. Yeah, it's like somebody get him a glass of water. He always had that, that saliva <laughs> work in there. And that's what I think when I think of Trimpey, but a fantastic artist. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he was another one like just like he – I don't want to – lower his name by comparing him to Mooney or raising Mooney up to that level but I, I mean it was just I, I think that okay you know what Herb's not doing any Herb's not doing a book right now we need this story done give it to him and 
he'd get it done, and it'd be a nice looking book. I didn't, I, I didn't see anything. And today, people might look at his art and go, "Yeah, what's the big deal?" But these are the same people that are going to say that about Don Heck or George Tuska, or I'll kick their ass if they say about Gil Kane. But it's just, you know, he's. You aren't going to get too many people reading today, or that have been that have gotten into comics in the past few years. I'd be surprised if they knew who Herb Trimpey was. Right. Or is. And uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever been as disappointed as I was uh, in the 90s when uh, Marvel had those unlimited series, like you had a Spider-Man Unlimited, yes. Fantastic Four. Yep. And Herb Trimpey did a, an issue or two, and uh, I thought to myself, excellent, Herb Trimpey, I, you know, I got to get my hands on this. And I don't remember who inked him, but you would swear that Rob Liefeld penciled that issue. Oh, damn. Yes. They they did it in that 90s, scratchy, billion-line style where everything had a, you know, a, a thousand oh, little... It's, it's probably Mark Pacella. Hey, it could have been, but uh, very disappointing and not at all representative of the man's talent. It, That's it, a shame. Horrible, horrible. And, and those unlimited books, I remember, they weren't cheap. I think even in the 90s, they were four bucks a pop. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but they were... They were double sized. Oh yeah, and and they were also printed on uh, on that slick paper. Why? It you know <laughs> it's, it's like wiping your ass with a mink. You know. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's keep this ro- rolling here. Um, Alfredo Alcala. Nice. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, blacks. A lot of I I I, I shadows. I okay. think of his artwork, and I just and. You know, again on on Conan or on um, did he ever do anything with uh, Gene Colan? Oh, I don't think so, but I would have loved to see that because I can I can kind of picture those two styles meshing pretty well together. But I do I I just um you know bare chested guys with swords and loincloths and 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 just shadows right and, and shading is is what I what I think of when I hear his name. I think um, liquid when I think of Alfredo. He had a style that made everything look a little bit damp. And uh, it's not a put down. I love the man's style. Right. But uh, everything had a sheen to it. And a little bit heavy handed with the inks, but there was no mistaking that, you know, Alfredo Alcala uh, inked a, a piece. But I remember back in the day, I was a, a pretty big fan of the Savage Sword book. And uh, John Buscema, inked by Alfredo, was to die for. I mean, John's work is phenomenal on his own, but when Alfredo got a hold of it, he he did something. He transformed it into something even even more. If you can track those uh, Savage Sword issues down, the the they're so rich in the texture in the inks. Uh, oh, they'll make you cry. Just amazing work. Sweet. Yeah, um, I'm I'm running out of names here. Um, you sure it's like running out of words to use for him? Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Back up. Back the hell up. <laughs> um, all right. Steve Ditko. Spidey. I just, yeah. Recluse. Uh, the hermit. I just, no, I, I, um, it, it is, it's, it's gotta be Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, he did Blue Beetle. And Captain Adam too, right? 
for and, uh, Kath, and yep and, uh, and wait did he yes okay uh, Machine Man Shade the Changing Man the you know, Reaper yeah he's touched a lot of books but uh, yes. there there's no extracting Ditko from Spider Man no and vice versa I think right. It may not have been the, the, the cleanest line or the most uh, the most detailed artwork, and in some cases, you know, I think his I think it looked better if uh, if he rushed through the work. But um, but he had I, I can definitely I guess now as I've I've gotten older, I can see where I can kind of associate McFarland's Spider Man to Ditko Spider Man. I can kind of see how they uh, I can see. If McFarlane was going to go buy a guidebook and say, you know, who who do I need to draw Spider-Man like, I can kind of picture it being like Ditko. Mm-hmm. With a, a lot of excessive noodling, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. In terms of anatomy and the, the uh, you know, stretching and extending muscles where they, <laughs> it's not physically <laughs> yeah. possible to do. Right. But yeah. yeah. Excellent. Curveball. Steve Gerber. Howard the Duck. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I haven't read much by him from any company. Um, he wasn't a, uh, he wasn't one of the creators that, you know, I would, I, he was, he was mostly writing for Marvel at a time when I was following characters like most people should and not the creators. And because of that, there's a lot he's done that I, have have not read so I do have to um, essential Howard the Duck is on my gotta get list uh, but um, yeah there isn't uh, you know whether it's scathing commentary or, or you know topic um, current events at the time I, I don't know what uh, what I could use to, to, to describe Steve Gerber other than Howard the Duck right. I have much love for the man uh, I would say, in all seriousness, the single best writer ever to come out of Marvel. Without a doubt. Wow. Yes. Um, if I had to pick single words, I would say visionary, uh, caustic, subversive. And, and as much as the art of the, the Marvel books at the time defined who I was, Gerber kind of tweaked my worldview a little bit where um, he showed me that everything is not all roses and sunshine out there and, you know, it's, it's not, everything's not all it's cracked up to be and there's a lot of nastiness in the world and I, I have to attribute that to, to Steve Gerber. Um, uh, again, taking comic books in a, in a totally different way from what was previously done. Um, he didn't follow the format. He, he invented his own characters were were not squeaky clean and i mean just look at man thing uh if someone ever gave you the task of creating a book where the 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 central character doesn't speak doesn't right. doesn't think just shambles around in a swamp and uh this whole wacky universe around him is like a whirlpool you know and it touches him in in different ways that's to me that's a pretty impossible task and uh, if you read those early, uh, those Gerber Man things, he pulled it off. You're going to make me read the Essential Man thing, aren't you? I'm there for you. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Gerber is my uh, Marvel Alan Moore. Nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And the very last one, Alan Davis. Oh. And go. <laughs> God. I just, I, I just, I can't, I mean, words cannot describe this man. I, his line, see, this is someone who's fluid. This is someone who's just elegant. And the women he draws and, and the men. And I want to be an Alan Davis character. I would be so dashing and 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 probably slightly more good looking. And I just, you know, I couldn't, man, I, I, I wish I could. He could shoot a family member and I would still love the man. <laughs> I I got I got nothing but you know you want to talk about a man crush he just now I would I would buy a book that he drew if it was me thinking and Howard and Duck just sitting back talking and having coffee I I'd buy anything he would do you say that like it's a bad thing I know but that's because <laughs> I haven't read either essential yet so right now to me it is right but, um no I whew. Uh, an eighth by Mark Farmer. Forget about it. I, man, I, if if I could only buy one comic book, it would be by Alan Davis. I would have to say Brian Hitch clone. <laughs> and, and then I would have to say, wow, this this was a great friendship. <laughs> no, um, actually, I think beauty pretty much sums up my feelings towards Alan Davis. Even when he draws the thing or um, a not-so-attractive character, there's always a little bit of handsomeness to it or, you know, a beauty and you're right, his women uh, childbearing hips have never looked so good. Uh Oh, good lord. In in fact, yesterday, the uh, new Marvel Previews magazine came out and there is a couple of pages of preview art from his forthcoming Fantastic Four The End. Have you seen those? Ooh. No, I'll be... Uh, I hope to grab uh, my previews tomorrow. There's a full-page splash in there with uh, Doctor Doom, and he's got uh, these mechanical arms... Uh, forearm, forearms, by the way. Uh, not forearms. Four as in quantity. And... Uh, He's smashing Reed's head into a rock, and and uh, the things looks like he's pretty much you know out for the count. But he uh, he draws Sue in such a way where I mean she doesn't even take much of the page, but you look at that uh, that little curve of the hip and the little <sighs> curve curve on the nasty business there, and oh my god, the, you know it is. I'm 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 down for this. As, so, so basically, you're saying that when when Renee goes to Vegas and I'm alone here on that Saturday night, I have something to keep me company. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. But uh, I guess it's six issues, and um, I guess it will come out in November, starting in November. Ooh. And yeah, it's Mary, it, happy Hanukkah to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a definite. Alan Davis, forget about it. Let's like you said, world class. He's writing and drawing, right? Oh, you're going to make me pick the book back up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll go into the, the previews next episode. I think we'll do a page-by-page page, uh, deal on this because there's so many things, so many good things that are coming out right now. Oh, um, 
Yes, it's written and drawn by Alan Davis. Nice. Okay. And uh, yeah, he, his um, fairly recent X Men with uh, Claremont. That he, he was the only reason I bought it. Oh, they were still. I I didn't <laughs> mind the story. I thought it was pretty. Put it put it this way: whenever Captain Britain shows up in something, uh, I'm going to buy it. And well, I'm going to buy it only because it usually means Megan's going to be right next to him. Oh, baby. <laughs> those those Excalibur issues. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Well, I mean... Can we, you still open those issues? We we want this to be an all-ages podcast, more or less. Okay. But uh, if, I, if I gave you my true feelings on that art, I think... Uh, yeah, I think we'd be pushing a couple buttons. But uh. just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. I, I'll say Mamma Mia. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, Vince. Can you fucking believe this crap? I, 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 am, I am so sick and fucking tired of that David Price. Alright? Look, the guy just brings this on me at the last fucking second that he's leaving comic timing. To do something with you, man? See, with you, I'm hurt, man. Seriously, this pain inside me, I'm never gonna get rid of it. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. And David's. Fucking bastards. Jeez. Look, if there's one thing that I have learned, is that the man of a thousand podcasts just stretches himself way too fucking thin. He can't commit to anything. It's ridiculous. <sighs> a bane on you and your podcast, David Price. A bane, my friend. In fact, you know what? No friend anymore. No friend. Uh, enemy. My enemy, David Price. That's it. You're, you're stricken from the record. I never knew you existed in the first place. Uh, that's it. I'm done. Period. That's it. Have a good show, man. So, uh, do you have a list? At the moment, I, uh, I only have a couple of names. Well, that's um, okay. Because, you know, this was, this was sprung on me. Um, I'll start off with... Uh, with the biggie, John Byrne. Oh, you bastard! Yeah, <laughs> what's the matter? <laughs> um, I will approach this in terms of his work. How about that? Okay. Judicious. Um, Alpha Flight. Oh, good stuff. That's one of those things where, like Ditko and Spider Man, I can't think of Alpha Flight without thinking John Byrne. The the first what was it, twenty first, something? Uh, yeah, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four right. maybe. The those issues are perfect. There's there's not a flaw in them. I I, I can't find anything that I would change. The uh, Marina Submariner thing, the Sasquatch. Um, my favorite member of the team was um, Puck. <laughs> Shaman. I, I always he was kickass. Yeah, I was attracted. I uh, love that pouch to that character. Excuse me, <laughs> that <laughs> all ages show. Remember? Yeah, uh, the, the the shaman character. He he always attracted me for some reason. Uh, and then later on, his daughter Talisman. Yes, yes, excellent stuff. Love that series. The only the only thing I did not like about Alpha Flight was how cheesy the master was. I couldn't buy him as a villain. I couldn't. But I, you know what I really enjoyed about Alpha Flight were in the first half a dozen or so issues the backup stories, the origins of the main characters. Right. And that 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 we, that that didn't get together until like issue ten or eleven or twelve. Uh, 
Kind of reminds you of a currently published, numerically titled comic, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have uh, a lot of love for the work of John Byrne. Um, and it was one of those times where, you know, you can't deny the man's talent. Say what you will about his personality or his, the way he uh, tends to flap his mouth when he shouldn't, I guess, you know, about topics mm-hmm. that really shouldn't be affecting him. But, I mean, everyone has an opinion and is in, he's entitled to it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the man's art. And um, I will say the uh, first issue of The Atom that recently came out, that double-page spread with the uh, Justice League uh, in shackles, that was pretty sweet. Very, I, didn't see, I haven't yeah, seen that image. Okay. Pretty sweet stuff. Um, but, yeah, John Byrne, one of the greats. And for me, you know what, I his his Marvel work early on, like before Spider-Man uh, was a chapter one, which, which I didn't read, and apparently it's no great shakes that I didn't. Um, but like you said, Alpha Flight to me was John Byrne. Uh, it was it was Fantastic Four because I it was Fantastic Four up until a couple of months before he left to go work on you know some other big name. I don't know, guy in a red cape, big blue Boy Scout. Um, his his Fantastic Four work, even even when um, even when there were some low points like um, uh, is it the um, Oh, crud! The uh, need a crutch. Uh, the um, <laughs> the guy who uh, can futz around with the uh, your emotions. Not uh, he's the oh man, psycho man. Is that is that really his name? Because I was drawing a blank. I don't like, know. It, it can't be that cheesy. Yeah, I think it's uh, the guy with the uh, orange face, green armor. Yeah, ha- and ha- has Kirby esque. Yeah, well, jet. Everything's Kirby-esque. Come on. Sorry. He has that um, little uh, device that he carries around that says yes. love, hate. Yeah. 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 So I think that's Psycho Man, isn't it? Okay. It, it, it prob- you know what? And it pro- I think you're right because that's who I was going to say, but I'm like, no, that that's just cheesy. Um, and, and when Reed and Sue moved to Connecticut to become like a family, and even, oh, one of my favorites was uh, Reed Richards pleading Otto Octavius for help because Sue may die while giving birth to their second child, and and Doctor Octopus's arms fight Reed. I mean, it sounds corny, but they he it, you even 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 Bruce Banner was enlisted to help to make sure that everybody was going to come out of this childbirth alive, and it was it it. It, it was it was a really good story. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the Mask of Doom. I enjoyed the Trial of Galactus and Trial of Reed Richards. Um, yeah. It, I enjoyed John Byrne's run on the Fantastic Four, and and yeah, his his uh, his his work when I was growing up in the eighties reading Marvel. That's that's the John Byrne that I love. I, I, the John Byrne of, of recent years, not as much, but. Uh, but you're right. There is no denying the man. The man can work. The man can put out good stuff. The man can put out great stuff. Um, but uh, you know, you don't have to agree with his politics. He, he might piss you off with a lot of what he says. But uh, 
but it's it's what he puts on the page that if you buy those 22 pages month in month out that that's what matters and he uh he, he does good work when he when when he does he does really good work i i agree i have to mirror your uh sentiments about the fantastic four uh i think burns run is uh the second greatest run on that title naturally okay uh, okay just fantastic work and for me the highlight of that was the Surfer Terax. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then Doom mixed in. Yep. Uh, you have the Surfer and Terax going at it, and you throw Doom in, that's, you know, I can't see how you would stumble. But the art, the the story was great. And I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, above admitting that when Sue lost the baby, you know, that I, I was hurting. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. He, he, excellent job. Uh, okay. Bill Mantlo. Um, I'd have to say serviceable. Okay. Uh, his work, while solid, never really kicked me in the ass. You know, um, if I can walk away from a comic and remember it uh, years and years later, then, you know, that work to me is a sign of you know there's something there that's going to stick with me maybe I have demeritis I don't know but um, it he, I mean he's to tell you the truth if you grilled me right now and said name four titles that Bill Mantlow worked on uh, he, the, the well, guy I'll, okay I'll say name three I'm, I'm not I'm not able to do it because he he hasn't really uh, now if okay. you if you tell me I'll say oh yeah I remember that period but okay, the, you know the, the name doesn't doesn't stick with me very you know, I, I remember reading his work and there's no denying i enjoyed it but well, uh, we already mentioned one 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 of the books he uh and it ties into the previous creator he worked on the hulk and then switched places with john Byrne. Byrne took over the hulk he took over alpha flight right Right. See, and Mike Mignola was on the artwork. Right, and I and I remember Mignola's art from that period. But as far as the story goes, yeah, you know, uh, it it hasn't made a, a huge impact on me. Okay. Which you know may be a product of getting old. I don't know, but uh, I don't even think, to be honest. Well, no, with you're right. I don't know if there was any any. You know, I mean, like you could say that there was a. Um, you know, Claremont had his run. You had you, you you had people with with good runs, and I don't know if if Mantlo ever had that story or that character where you're like, oh, you know, that Roger Stern, John Byrne, Captain America story, you know, or, or you know, no one. I don't know anybody who can say, and I'd love to find him. I, I'd love for someone to tell me, no, this is the definitive Bill Mantlo story, and. Please tell me what it is. I will read it. I'll be more than happy to read it because I think he he's he was writing comics for a long time when I was reading them and you know, I'm an idiot. I am. Why is, why well, is that? Rom. I'm sorry. See, I was thinking Micronauts. I forgot about Yeah, Rom. I Rom is one of my favorite books. But then again, the 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 Mantlo name doesn't stick for some reason. I re- no, Sal Bushima's does. Oh, of course. And Aiken and Garvey on inks. Right. That absolutely. I I remember that as if it was yesterday. But Mantlo, I maybe uh, 
that maybe it's just me, but yeah, you're right, uh, Rom. And okay. I, I did you put that in there for me to say Rom because Rom's one of my favorite Marvel titles, <laughs> and and the fact that I don't remember <laughs> who, who wrote it says a hell of a lot more about me. So <laughs> that's okay. well, you know, but yeah, but it's Rom. Um, Back up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Morzechowski. Wow. You, you, you're throwing curveballs at me. I gotta keep you on your toes. I do not know. I'll, 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 I'll cut in. I do not know a more precise, a more clean, a more. There's only one other professional that I can tell when he letters a book, and that's Bob Lapin. But Tom Wozniakowski lettering X Men, Uncanny X Men, for so long was such there was such consistency there. I could always tell when Norris was 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 lettering a comic book. Right. See, um, the name that instantly pops into my mind when I think lettering is John Workman. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's a force to be reckoned with. But uh, again, lettering, you know, serviceable. Um, unless as it's, long as you can read it, you have to. Uh, no, I mean, you know, uh, I am a closet uh, elitist a bit, but <laughs> um, John Workman has a has a instantly recognizable style. And if you're working with letters, um, you don't have much to work that's with. You, that's true. Yeah, and if if you can actually, yeah, if, if people can look at that and go, oh, I know who's lettering this, then, then you're, I think, you're doing something right. I mean, you, all you're doing is you're lettering a comic book. I mean, all people have to do is read it. As long as all the letters are lined up right and they make the right words, you know, anybody should be happy with it. But I mean, if if your work stands out, then I think I think something is right. I don't think you're detracting from the story. I don't think you're doing anything wrong at all. Right. Um. And then um, our buddy Howard Shakens. Uh, right, oh, right-hand Ken, man, Ken Brusenac. Yes, uh, that's another name that just you know. I think lettering. I think Workman, Brusenac, um, Todd Klein. Yeah, yeah, right. Jock Stanza. <laughs> Actually, now, now I'm going to go on this. Uh, this can't stand you. I'm going to go on this lettering uh, face. So I'll have to move along. Uh, Christopher Priest. Who? Or I'm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about Jim Owsley? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I you know I'm trying to mix it up here a little bit, okay, keep it interesting. Right, uh, well, then fine. Well, uh, after you say after you answer Priest, I'll come back with Jim Owsley. Okay, um, <laughs> Bla- Bla- Black Panther. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, very enjoyable run on a character. Other than who uh, I had really no attachment to, other than Kirby's run. Okay. You know, but uh, okay. made me uh, appreciate and admire the character to a certain degree, and his talent with that uh, run, uh, the enemy of the state uh, storyline. Just, uh, I think Black Panther is his run on Black Panther is. Marvel's answer to James Robinson's Starman. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It, it has that vibe to it, that um, very inventive, very uh, much concerned with what has come before. 
you know, um, exciting. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say it's Marvel Starman. High praise indeed. Yeah, okay. you betcha. See, when I, when I hear Christopher Priest, and I, I love the man's work under the Priest name, but when I hear Priest, I think of Jim Owsley, and therefore I think of Power Man and Iron Fist, I think of the editor of Amazing Spider-Man, I think of the person whose name is next, uh, his, uh, his protege and assistant editor, um, and yeah, I've, the, a lot of the books I was reading, he had a hand in either as an editor or as a writer, and at the time, it wasn't until the past few years or recently that I found out that A, they were the same person, but, but two, that I, um, he, he, he worked on a lot of the books that I enjoyed reading when I was growing up. And so if you were in, in Marvel and the ground floor and you were reading all the, the, the Stan and Jack books or the Stan and, and John Romita senior books, or just, you know, or, or you were there for Roy Thomas working on Fantastic Four or Avengers, when I was there to read all these Christopher Priest stories, that that was a good time for me with Marvel. So I I, I have nothing but uh, but but a lot of respect for the man. Yeah. And speaking of his mentor, Larry Hama. Hmm. GI Joe. That's what I was just gonna say too. Yeah. Uh, again, you you can't separate the two. Although he had a decent run on Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, back to G.I. Joe a little bit. Um, didn't like the cartoon at all. Wasn't interested in the fact that these guys, you know, were uh, servicemen or uh, Cobra never really did anything for me as far as the cartoon goes. I didn't. I just didn't like the cartoon. But there was something about the book as written by Hama that... I kept buying it, you yeah. know. It, it was one of those titles that I, I, I never had the, uh, the gumption to drop. I just stuck with it, and I, I enjoyed it. And every issue gave me, you know, something to to appreciate and uh, a little bit of mix of action and uh, pretty damn good characterization too. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um I associate all the artists he worked with or that worked with him on G.I. Joe. I mean you, you had Herb Trimpy to start, but then you had Mike Vosberg, uh Russ Heath did an issue, but and then you had um Rod Wingham later on. And he, he that G.I. Joe had a had a nice run of uh, of some pretty decent artists. I don't think it was a um I don't think it was a it was a book or a um or a job. I mean, the Marvel artist might not have been thrilled with getting a licensed property to work on, but um, the book sold. So I, I, I'd imagine that uh, that it paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, and what's becoming, and, and what may be a little-known fact, although these days with the Internet being what it is, maybe not, Larry Hammer wrote all of the um, secret files or the files cards that were on the back of all the blister packs of the G.I. Joe figures. Really? Yes. And um, he had a decent run on Avengers, if I remember correctly, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm going to have to find out. 
That'd be pretty neat. I'd like to read that. Yeah, uh, around um, eighty-nine, I think. Nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, no, because I was say, well, wait, yeah, she was even born. But okay, all right, I'll have to. Uh, yeah. Okay, I got to find that out. Oh, and uh, um, he was associated with uh, the Nam too, right? Yes. Yeah, that was his baby with Michael Golden artwork, and that was my next name on the list. Michael Golden. Yes. Oh man, how do you how do you even begin? <laughs> Bucky O'Hare. <laughs> That's not a Marvel comic. Um, um, see, and, and the Micronauts. Yes, uh, I will hate. I, I will say hatred, because no one person should be that talented. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. No, I, I don't. I mean, no one person should be that talented, but not, not, not about, not about the age. I mean, he, no, he's, he's another one. No, with the women. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his, his marionette. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Move right along. We, we, we need a, a, a beep, you know, a button I can hit to just, <laughs> uh, so I don't have to go back and add them in later. Um, yeah. Um, Commander Ran and the Micronauts and uh, a Croyer. Croyer. Yeah. That, that issue with the lawnmower. Oh, that was great. Oh, I, uh, again, one of the Marvel artists that had a, had a, had a big, big, big impact on me. Um, it, it seemed that everything he touched had that, uh, he could turn, uh, poop into gold. His, right. his Punisher covers are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the man is just a god. And Bucky oh. O'Hare was pretty good, too. I believe it. Yeah, I believe. I saw it on the shelf. I never. I. I, I don't know. It's. I think. I think Captain Carrot was my. Uh, was 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 my funny animal comic for, oh, you, for, the, for the time. I. I don't think you want to put Bucky O'Hare and Captain Carrot together. No, I'm sure I don't. <laughs> that would get kind uh, of. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> a little bit messy. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, I, I got a million of them. Stay I tuned. Guess you do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't go away. You got any more? Uh, Steve Englehart. Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, too. Avengers. You know, very competent. He 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 did did a great job. Um, you know, with 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 what he could do. But uh, like, I, I guess with Bill Mantlo, I don't know if anything really stands out. Yeah. How about drama? He had a way of. Um, Working with relationships, especially the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, that uh, as far as being um, a male comic book reader, not the first thing you pick up the Avengers for, but uh, made it work, I think. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Paul Smith. Uh, let's see. See, if I take too long, it's it's going against the rules of the game. Um, Wolverine. That's nice. Yeah, that's 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 a nice answer. And and for me, it's Scott Slim Summers. There are so few artists that actually draws Cyclops skinny. His nickname is Slim, not steroids. He's he's supposed to be this skinny, not big and brawny, broad-shouldered character, and. Paul Smith, especially that cover where Cyclops is carrying Professor X and the X-Men are in the background, all forlorn. He's skinny. He's a skinny guy. And 
Paul Smith drew a kick-ass Cyclops, and I will agree with your Wolverine. His Wolverine was 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 great. Um, uh, to a little bit of a, an addendum, his brood. Oh, the 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 way he um, did he design the brood? I thought that was a Cockrum thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. But you're right. Yeah. But uh, Paul Smith's brood, I think, pretty much kicked uh, Cockrum's in the ass. Because he he uh, replaced Cockrum on X Men, and yes. and I I believe there was a second round of the Brood during his um. And who, who tenure. turned into uh, who was turning into one of them on the cover? Was it Wolverine? Well, was yeah. it Storm? No, it was Wolverine, buddy. Okay. That's why that that cover's iconic. Very cool. On his knees in pain, yep. claws yeah. extended. Yeah, great stuff, and um. How about Leave It to Chance, too? And that's that's a book that's on my gotta-get list. Yeah. I, 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 more for Smith than Robinson, but it's but you know the two of them together, I guess you can't do too bad. Yeah. Um, consummate Draftsman. Very good with a line. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. His... his, uh, his um, I, I believe he has an animation background. Or that—that's where you know he was getting most of his. You know, that's where he was getting paid. Comics, I guess, may have been a side gig. I'm—I'm I'm not 100% sure, but uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Definitely, you can definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But I mean, you can definitely see his um, his animation skills in in those X Men pages. Mm-hmm. And he's gold. gold. He's gold. <laughs> gold, Jerry. <laughs> Last but not least, Mark Grunwald. Cap Wolf. <laughs> For me, it's Squadron Supreme. You know, this may be considered blasphemous, but Squadron Supreme did not do anything for me. I don't see, and I didn't. I didn't read. I didn't get all the issues of the mini. I started the mini late, and then I I missed an issue or two. So the mini didn't. The, the Squadron Supreme did not stick with me. Initially, it's when I went. It's when I ended up getting all the issues, and I was able to go back and read it sometime later. That I really, really enjoyed it. But at the time, um, I don't think it was wowing me the way it either should have or was wowing other people. But I, right. I, I can, I can see, you know, it not, uh, it not knocking your socks. Yeah, I think you're missing his greatest work, a uh, a comic that you actually bought an issue uh, for me in. In uh, Chicago. Then obviously I haven't gotten to it yet. DP7. Oh, no, wait a minute. You got me Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's kind of yes, hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard to separate the two. But yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, DP7. I think that was one of the more enjoyable uh, New Universe books. With Paul Ryan art. Yeah. It looked nice, too. Yeah. The whole, See, I, I, um, the whole New Universe is a blur. Well, and uh, actually, do you know who's doing the art with uh, on on Warren Ellis's uh, New Universal? You know, I heard the name, but you're going to have to give me a little crash course. LaRocca. Oh, really? Yep. I'm in. I believe it. Oh, is it is it in the November solicitations? No, it's not. Okay, they're um, 
Marvel.com is, I think, doing a page a day, and I think they started yesterday. I think they, I don't know if they're consecutive pages, but they, uh, I'll, um, I will post the link on the website, and uh, that will um, let everybody get to a page a day. And um, since I didn't visit it today, I don't know if there's an archive to go back to previous days, but it is. It's, uh, and, and I'm going to be real silly if, if I'm wrong, but uh, but I do believe it's it's Mr. Salvador La Roca who's doing the art on that. Yeah. So, okay, so I guess I did have... Uh, okay, I mean, my, my list wasn't as, as, as grand as yours, but I, I guess I was able to come up with a couple of names on the fly. Right. And, and actually, I'm, I, I'd like to throw these names up on the forum and see what other people what the what what pops into their head when they uh when they see a Paul Smith or a or an Alan Davis right. or an Alfred Alcala. Well tell them where to go, buddy. That'd be uh bullpen bulletins podcast dot com. And if you uh click on the form link you'll get taken right to the forms. All you have to do is uh so you can sign up on the main page and uh and you are you'll be golden. Right. And uh, something else that's going on on the forum, we are opening up our bumpers for our, well, let me rephrase that. (laughs) We we are offering our listeners a chance to participate in the show by uh, recording something for use in our bumpers. Now, how we're going to do this is two ways. You can either jump on Skype and we'll record you from there, or you can send us an audio recording. And we'll be more than happy to, to stick it in again. I should have rephrased that. But um, <laughs> jump on the forum. There's a thread called Skype Me. Drop your username on there and the times at which you can be contacted. And uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, we want everybody to be a part of the show. We want everybody to contribute in some way. So uh, this is your chance. If you have some, you know, and it doesn't matter what you talk about. You know, it, could, it, it doesn't even have to be about comics as... Uh, You'll hear in this episode that a lot of people um, just uh, took the ball and ran with it, and that's a good thing. We want uh, it's the personality we, we care about, not so much the uh, the content. So uh, jump on there, and we'll do you proud. Or or die trying. Yep. Well, what do you say, brother? You want to wrap this sucker up? I believe uh, I believe this episode is uh, getting it's it's about ready to bet in the can yeah um i'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this uh initial effort i hope we uh didn't embarrass ourselves and if we did you know tough shit uh jump on the forum tell us what you liked tell us what you didn't like tell us anything you want just uh make your comments heard or read yeah we're easy that's true well you are i you know expect a little bit more which you know reminds me i have a doctor's appointment tomorrow i gotta get this rash checked out <laughs> like the jelly finger again. I love him. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice big thick fingers. The guys are nice. Very Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> so uh, thank you from uh, Vince B. And from David. And uh, join us on our next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.